We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Well, let's take our Bibles this evening and go to Hebrews chapter number 10, if you would, please. Hebrews chapter number 10. And a couple of weeks ago, I gave you a message on seven reasons you should read your Bible. And we've been reading the Bible, the Word of God, together through this year. I hope you're still on course. If you get off course, don't get discouraged. Just pick up where you left off and keep going, right? You'll get there, won't you? Just keep doing it. And then seven reasons last Sunday night why you should pray. And if we're going to walk with God, that was our opening message for this year. Enoch walked with God. If we're going to walk with God, we have to learn to read God's Word and to pray. Well, this evening, I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll read verses 19 through 25. And I want to give you seven reasons that you should faithfully attend the meetings of the church. Seven reasons you should faithfully attend the meetings of the church. And uh, I want us to note this uh, here beginning in verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us, would you notice those two words, let us, draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Would you say the next two words with me, please? Let us, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And would you note the next two words? Say them with me. Let us consider one another to provoke into love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Now, I want you to notice who he's speaking to here. He's speaking to God's people. And he said, let us draw near, verse 22. Verse 23, let us hold fast. Verse 24, let us consider one another. Then again, in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so we note that the apostle as he's writing under the inspiration of the holy spirit is speaking in the context of the congregation of the lord he is speaking to god's people and in the context of this passage what is he exhorting them to do notice in verse 25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some heads. And so in this passage, I want us together to examine the seven reasons that we should attend the meetings of the church. 
Now, contrary to popular opinion, church attendance is not really an option or a suggestion. It is God's plan for His children. Some may approach it that way, but they are not looking at it according to the way that God has revealed it to us. God's will, God's plan is for God's people to assemble together. The word church means assembly. Let me ask you a question. As we learned this morning, what do witnesses do? They witness. What do assemblies do? They assemble. You don't have to have a degree in theology to learn that, do you? Witnesses witness and assemblies assemble. And so we are the assembly, the called out assembly. And the assembly assembles. We meet together. So church attendance is God's plan for his children. And there are those that we see in this passage, there were those rather, who in the early days of the church were neglecting the assembly. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews is writing to them not to forsake the assembling of themselves together. He notes that that was the manner of some. In fact, we know the Bible teaches us that uh, as, as one of the apostles wrote, they went out from us. There were those who were a part of the congregation that went out from us. And the inference is that eventually they went so far out they never returned. They went out from us because they were not of us. You see, a true child of God will have a desire to meet together with God's people. And so we find that this does not this is not something that we do as some religious ritual or some uh, item on a checklist that sort of makes God happy. It's not something we try just to fit into our schedule. It is, as I mentioned this morning, it is who we are. We are the assembly, and the assembly assembles. And so we find that the Word of God teaches us that we should attend the meetings of the church. Now, I want you to notice these reasons. I want to give them to you. First of all, we find in verse 22 uh, that you should attend the meetings of the church because the Lord is present with his people. You should attend the meetings of the church because the Lord is present with his people. Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, right? We know that he never leaves us as individuals, but we know that he is with us in a unique and powerful way as we assemble together to worship him in corporate worship. Look at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. What are we drawing near to? Who are we drawing near to? We're drawing near to the Lord. We come into the house of God because God is here. Where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst. Notice this text that we read in Hebrews uh, chapter number 10 and verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We have access into the presence of God through the blood of Christ that was shed for us. Verse 20, a new and living way, which he hath consecrated rather for us 
through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, the Lord Jesus meets with us. He has purchased our access into his presence. It is a privilege. It is a privilege for God's people to come together and meet with the Lord. Romans chapter 5 speaks of this privilege in verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, faith in Christ makes us just. We're guilty. We're sinners. But we are made just. We are made righteous through the blood of Christ. That's the blood that he was speaking about in Hebrews 10. That was what he was speaking about when he spoke about uh, the veil of Christ's flesh, his body that was broken for us, the blood that was shed for us. It purchased for us access into the presence of God because that blood justifies us. It makes us righteous. And uh, Paul says in Romans 5 and 1, therefore being justified by faith, faith in Christ, we have peace with God, no longer under condemnation. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And because we have been justified and because we have peace with God, notice what he says in Romans 5 verse 2, by whom also we have access. We have access to God. I can get to God. And when the assembly assembles, God is with us, and therefore we are coming together to meet with the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. You've heard me quote this passage many times. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ and His uh, work in our lives, the Bible says, He hath raised us up together, raised us up from the deadness of our sin. He's raised us up and made us to sit together with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When we come together as an assembly, we come together apart from the world, and we are in the presence of God. Therefore, I don't want to miss church because I don't want to miss an opportunity to meet with God. I can certainly meet with God Monday through Saturday. No doubt about that. But I can't meet with God in the same capacity, in the same way as he has commanded me to meet with his people as I can when I come together with God's people into his presence. And he speaks to us and he encourages us and we are edified in the presence of God. We leave this place often refreshed, don't we? Cleansed, purified. James said in James chapter uh, 4 and verse 8, uh, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. We have an opportunity to draw nigh to God. And God said, when you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. One of the ways that we can draw nigh is by drawing near to God together in his presence, making the effort, being faithful to show up in the house of God and see what God will do in our lives. So how are we to draw near? With a true heart, we're to draw near sincerely. 
We're not here to put on a show. We shouldn't have any ulterior motive to be here other than to meet with God. Draw near sincerely. And then he said, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, draw near confidently. Confidently. Why? How can we draw near confidently? Because we know God is here. And we're trusting him to speak to us. We may not always feel like coming together. In fact, there are many times that we come when we don't feel like it or we should come, whether we feel like it or not. But when we come together in full assurance of faith, God's presence is powerful in our lives. Well, let me give you a second uh, reason here. Number two, you should attend the meetings of the church because the church family is present. Not only is God present, but the family is present. Look at verse 22 again. Let us draw near to God. You see, whenever we're not here, we miss an opportunity to meet with the family. Not only to meet with the Lord, but to meet together with the family. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, in the first century church, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. We need one another. God didn't design the Christian life to be lived in a freelance fashion. We are a part of a congregation, a body of believers. We are members of his body. We have a function. We have a role. And we need each other. Every member of your body depends on the other members of the body in order to function. And when one part of it quits functioning, that affects the whole body. So we get to meet together, and it's for our spiritual health. It's for our fellowship. Fellowship is a good thing. Daily, the Bible says in Acts 5, 42, daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to preach, or to teach, rather, and preach Jesus Christ. This was their daily practice. They were meeting together in fellowship with God's people, and we as a church should follow that example of devotion. Because we, as I said a moment ago, we're members one of another, and we are to love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. We're to prefer one another in love. We're to forgive one another. Well, how can we learn to forgive one another if we're not together? We're to encourage one another. How can we do that if we're not together? How can we receive encouragement if we're not together? We're to pray for one another. Well, how are we going to know how to pray for one another unless we are together? And we're to serve one another. We're to, we're to minister to each other. That can't be done through a virtual online church, right? I thank God we can broadcast and live stream the messages. I know there are people who are watching because they cannot be here. Uh, my in-laws have been snowed in for a week about 8 to 10 inches in Knoxville. The temperature's barely gotten over 30 degrees. Some of you just wish that would happen in Hickory, right? I think they're getting sick of it over there. I imagine they're ready to get out and get moving. And so we're thankful that we can broadcast services. We're thankful for that. But when you're not here, you miss out. And so do we. 
We need you, and you need us. Let me give you a third reason that you should attend the meetings of the church. You should attend the meetings of the church for your sanctification. You should attend the meetings of the church for your sanctification. What does it mean to be sanctified? It means to grow and to develop into the image of Christ. Uh, notice what uh, we read in verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That takes place, of course, the moment we're saved. We're cleansed. We're forgiven. The blood of Christ cleanses us of all of our iniquities. But we know that as we live in this dirty world with this sinful flesh that has a craving for the things of this world, we know that we get dirty. We live in a polluted world full of filth and wickedness and rebellion against God, and it has a way of working on us. Remember what happened to Lot. He vexed his righteous soul with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Well, we're living in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, are we not, in our nation? We're living in those times. Jesus said those, as it was in the days of, of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, we're living in those days. Very similar. Very similar. And what happens is our conscience gets defiled, our minds defiled, our flesh has a tendency to crave those things, and so we need to be in church, to be among God's people, to hear God's voice so that we can be sanctified, so that our conscience can be purged of iniquity, the guilt and condemnation removed, and our bodies washed with pure water. You see, it is the Word of God that cleanses our minds. In Ephesians chapter 5, we have a picture of this. Husbands, Love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it. That's God's will for the church, and that's God's will for the believer, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. We're cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We're cleansed by the ministry of the word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. The Word of God cleanses us and purifies us and washes us. And the Word of God brings us to maturity. Notice, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11, the Word of God says, And He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He's speaking of the gifts that He gave to His church. And why did he give those gifts in Ephesians 4 and verse 12? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till, verse 13, we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. How does that happen? We are taught the Word of God, and the Word of God works in us unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ until our life begins to measure up to the standard that Christ has set for us. Until the Spirit of God and the Word of God work in us to purge us, to purify us, to cleanse us, to build us up, to teach us, 
uh, to conform us in our thinking and our attitudes and in our words, our emotions are subject to the Spirit of God in obedience to Him, and we begin to act and walk and talk like Jesus. That's sanctification. And it's a process. And a major part of that process depends on my faithfulness to God's house. Because when I'm in God's house, the Lord is there, God's people are there, and the Word of God is changing me. God is speaking to me. The Holy Spirit is working on me. And as I respond in obedience and I put into practice the things that God is speaking to me about, I'm growing, I am, uh, I, I'm, in, I, I'm learning uh, to, to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. The Holy Spirit is empowering me to do it. Well, number four, you should attend the meetings of the church because of the profession of your faith. The profession of your faith. What does that mean? That means that you profess with your mouth and hopefully with your life that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you believe in him, that he is your Lord and that he is your Savior. And so based on the profession of my faith, what I believe, what I say I believe, because of that, I should be faithful to attend church. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Because I claim and profess to be a Christian, I should be faithful to God's house. I should desire to be in God's house. If I don't desire to be in God's house, that means I don't desire to be with the Lord in His presence and in the presence of His people. So I need to hold fast to my profession. I need a strong profession. I need to cling to this. I don't need to let this go. By the way, there's such a tendency in us, isn't there, to just kind of relax. But if I'm holding fast to my profession, I'm not relaxing. I'm not giving in to the urge to stay home, to take a night off. Because my flesh and the devil and the world that opposes me never takes a night off. I'm clinging to it. I'm holding fast to my profession. I thank God that I was raised in a home that held fast to the profession. And there was never a question about where we were going to be on the Lord's Day or Wednesday night. Never a question. We're going to church. I played peewee football, and we had a big game. And my coach said, we've got to have a film session. And the only night to do it was Wednesday. And I saw him timidly go over and talk to my mom about, would it be possible for Scott to miss church and come to the film session? And my mother said, no way, Jose. And I didn't go to the film session. You don't remember that, do you, probably? Yeah, good. I'm just making this up, no. 
That happened. That happened. My coach was Freddie, and uh, he wanted to win the game. I wanted to win it too. Mom said, no way. It's not going to happen. We're going to church. You've heard me talk about the wonderful world of Disney, right? Sunday night, 7 o'clock, we're going to church. The playoffs are on, man. We're going to church. We're going to church. Hold fast your brothers. Your kids will know it means something if you hold fast. They may not like it at the time, but they'll know it means something. A strong profession is a steady profession. Hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Boy, we're so prone to wavering, aren't we? We're, we're carnal people in, in many senses. We have the flesh, is what I'm saying, working against us. We're frail in our minds. We have a lot of good intentions, but often we waver. He said, he said hold fast to profession of faith without wavering. You know, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Proverbs says a confidence in an unfaithful man in the time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. You think the body ever suffers a broken tooth or a foot out of joint? I'm talking about the body of Christ because of wavering, unfaithful people. I think Brother Dwayne has reminded us of the words of uh, Johnny Pope. This is no time to go wobbly. It's no time to waver. Let's hold fast. Number five, you should attend the meetings of the church to stir your brothers and sisters. Notice, if you would, please, in verse 24. And let us consider one another. Well, I don't feel like going to church tonight. Nobody will know if I'm not there. Consider one another. Somebody will know. You'd be surprised at how often I ask, did you see so-and-so? Now, Debbie Stevens told me Ronnie was here again this morning. The last two Sundays he's been here, and I haven't seen him. Sorry, Ronnie. He's lost a lot of weight with his sickness, so maybe that's why I can't find it. And sometimes I'll say, did you see so-and-so? And my wife say, in fact, I asked her about somebody tonight. She said, oh, yeah, they're, they're here. <coughs> you see, and then sometimes I, I may not realize people are going. But the truth is when I know it, when I know it, I, I, I wonder why. I want to make sure everything's okay. And I got a lot of people who help me do that. Um, when you're not here, people know it. Your, 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 your presence here makes a difference. Now, the devil will convince you it doesn't. He'll convince you that nobody cares and nobody really misses you and you're not really needed around here. That's a lie of the devil. Can I ask you a question? How did you get here? Who put you in this church? The devil didn't put you in this church. Contrary to your opinion, you didn't put yourself in this church. Can I tell you who put you in this church? The Lord Jesus Christ put you in this church. Did he make a mistake when he did it? So if he put you here, that means he's using you here. 
And the devil in the flesh will always try to minimize the impact you're making in your own mind. He does that with me. I'll preach a sermon. I'll go home and I think, man, that was so bad. Nobody listens. Nobody cares. Nobody comes to the altar. You know, that's the way the devil works, right? But I also know that if you preach the Bible, God's word will make an effect and, and, and impact people's lives. And so I have to wrestle that out in my own mind. And then I have to come down on the side of faith, holding fast to my profession. Coming in full assurance of faith. Trusting God. And you have to do the same thing. And we have to resist the devil. And understand that we're considering one another here. And we provoke one another. Sometimes just a smile. Sometimes just our presence. We provoke one another to love and to good works. Your presence in the choir is provoking people to love and to good works. Your presence in Sunday school provokes people to love and good works. Helping visitors find a seat, uh, receiving their children into the nursery, it provokes them to love and to good works. Playing an instrument in the orchestra provokes people to love and to good works. That word provoke means to stir, to stimulate. And so we attend the meetings because we stir our brothers and sisters. We need the stirring. We need the motivation. We need the encouragement. When I was in high school, I had to run a, a six-minute mile if I was going to make the basketball team. And I got out on the track to run the six-minute mile, hoping I ran it, right? Hoping I could. You say, did this guy ever run a mile? Yes, I did. Thank you very much. And I got out there on the track, and, and there was something different about all of that time versus all the other times I had tried it. I was on a track, a level track. I'd been running around my neighborhood, up the hill, down the hill, up the hill, down the hill, by myself. But now I'm on a track with a bunch of other guys. And you know what those guys did? They stirred me. I ran that mile in five minutes and 30 seconds, and, and uh, I, did, I did okay. I made the team, right? I did what I was supposed to do. I was stirred. And the presence of God's people together, it stirs us. And we need it. We can't afford to neglect it. Number six, you should attend the meetings of the church to support your brothers and sisters. Not only to stir them, but to support them. The Bible says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And then he says, but exhorting one another, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. What's that word means? It means to encourage, to build up, to edify. We're helping one another. We're aiding one another. We're comforting one another. We're coming alongside one another. You see, running that mile, watching those guys run it with me, that encouraged me, that helped me, that stirred me. But I've told you this story. As I rounded the, uh, the start-finish line, the coach, the track coach up in the bleachers was calling out the times, and he was, he was encouraging us. You're, on, you're doing good. He told us what times to listen for. And every time I went across the line, I was listening intently to what he had to say because I wanted to know what progress I was making and as I went around for every lap, I was ahead of time. 
and and I started I started noticing some guys that were falling out, and other guys were trying to encourage them to make it. And one of my buddies yelled at me, says, "You're gonna make it, Oops, You're gonna make it." And I made it. That's what we're here to do. We're here to support one another. We serve the Lord together. We encourage one another. We help one another. We instruct and teach one another. We pray for one another. This is what a church family does for one another. I had the opportunity this week to visit in the home of one of our wonderfully made Sunday school class members. And I want you to know that their home is unique to yours because of the care that's required for their child. And their schedule's unique. And the challenges they face is unique. And I'm so glad that God has allowed us to support them. Man said to me, we've had such a hard time finding a church where we could go and hear the Word of God preached. We come together as God's people. We support one another. You know, we have a tendency when we see people to pick out their weaknesses. And if we're not careful, that's all we see. But this church is full of strengths. Full of strengths. Is it full of weaknesses? Yes. But it's full of strengths. And you know what we want to do? Instead of dwelling on the weaknesses that people have, the things we wish they did better, the things we, that we just wish they did different, the things that they don't see that we wish we, they did see, including the things that you see that I don't see, that you wished I did different. We all have them, right? Do you know when that will change when we get to heaven? But until then, we'll support one another. And your strength will offset my weakness. And my strength might offset your weakness. That's the way this works. So it would help us to quit looking at everybody's weaknesses, wouldn't it? Quit picking people apart over their weakness and look at their strengths. Well, let me give you the last thing. You should attend the meetings of the church to redeem the time. Notice the last phrase we find here in Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another. There it is, that support. And so much the, what's the next word? And so much the more. Well, let's scale back. We don't need to have so many meetings. Let's scale back. I mean, no. How do, I mean, are we supposed to have Sunday night service? I mean, really, it's just a little bit too much. And so much the, and so much the, 
Now, we're not going to add a fourth service. We're not going to do that. But it means that we need God's presence. We need God's people more than ever before. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day is he speaking about here? He's speaking about the, the coming of the Lord. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Are we there? Perilous times? Well, do we need less fellowship, less instruction, less encouragement, less love, less exhortation, less sanctification? Do we need less or do we need more? Well, you know the answer. We need more. As you see the day approaching. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. The Apostle Paul says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. You see, in these days in which we live, we, we must walk with caution. We must walk with wisdom. Redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. How am I going to know the will of the Lord? How am I going to direct my life in accordance to it? In an age of deception so strong, the Bible says that if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. So if there's such an age and spirit of deception in this world, do I not then need to be reinforced and strengthened with the spirit of wisdom? I don't need to waste the time and the opportunity that God has given me in the last days. I need to redeem it. These are valuable, blessed opportunities that God has given us in these last days. Let's redeem the time. And so much the more as you see the day. Seven reasons that you and I need to attend church. You're going to talk to somebody at work tomorrow. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to go to church. Well, they're right. They don't have to. And the problem is that they don't want to. And sometimes you and I don't want to either. But we need to. And we need to know why. And we need to hold fast to our profession without wavering. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.